Welcome to Marketing Money Podcast. Roll it! Today is a new day. You know why? Because it's, it's another day. <laughs> yeah. And this is 20, another this is another podcast. Get ready. From marketing money podcast.com. Yeah, awesome. Anyway, we are here today live, but we won't be live when here's cuz we recorded. But we but are I love alive. saying it's live. Alive. I, I always want to be live. I don't know why. I guess after Seeing. In front of a studio, li- yeah, you li- hear this and it just like becomes cliche to you. Of we're a live studio audience. No, we're not. It was recorded live in front of a studio. Well, it audience. has to be. Recorded we have an audience live. of one who's we also do. producing. Bobby, the producer, the producer with the juicer. No, nah. Me. <laughs> so, what's new in the world of bank marketing? Um, I think it's been the same for about a hundred years. No, not really. Yeah. For most banks, I see it as. Yeah. <laughs> you guys. You do a wonderful job with your 1985 website. <laughs> Since the web came out. With your 1985 <laughs> website and your 1895 sensibilities. It's it's awesome. Love bank marketing, because I'm a bank marketer. Hey, I can't talk about this. What? I can't. I mean, <laughs> you just can't. That's, that's that like, wound up being well, a better well, joke when you than see, what I was going to say. You, when you see people win something, they say, I'm speechless. Well, here's what I think. And but I'd like to we, think but I'd my like, mom. Well, you're obviously not speechless. Oh, or yesterday when somebody said, he ran up the stairs and disappeared. And I said, I highly doubt that. Yes. Highly doubt he actually disappeared. <laughs> I heard that we have a podcast and we're going to talk about topics. Today, we're actually going to have a guest on our podcast. Yes, we're starting that as a, tr- a new tradition. A new tradition. Is there such a thing? <laughs> first annual new tradition. It's the first annual very unique new tradition. Yes. We're going to have a discussion about budgeting, because that is where there's a lot of fear, doubt, and worry, a lot of consternation, and uh, whatever. Another FOMO? Fo- no, nah, just fear. Just fear. Fear. Not fear of missing out. Fob. Fear of budgeting. Ah, uh, fear of budgeting. We're going to have a guy with a with a currency in his name. Yes. Chris Nichols on in just a few minutes. We are. Chris writes voraciously. Is that, that's not even a right word, is it? You can read voraciously. Pro- can you write? He's a prolific writer. Prolific writer. I think he has something on LinkedIn or ABABankMarketing.com almost every other day, it seems a lot like. Of good, a lot of good insights. He does. Center he State does. Bank out of Florida. And he fires out the articles. We're going to talk about that in a little bit when he gets on the call. So if you're listening, you will uh, you will know that he, Stay will, tuned. he will be on the podcast shortly with a very unique first annual new tradition and if guest you, spot. if you get sick of us, yeah, just wait. somebody else is coming that will add some variety but you'll still have us so there's that <laughs> it's, it's what we call a win win lose hey it is masters week it Since is we always try to make this a sports podcast we i did, just don't follow golf though so did you i don't see know jack's grandson hit the hole in one that was amazing i saw a like a meme thing about that 
but it was on mute and some social social media thing, and I couldn't. Brought almost brought a tear to my eye. Yeah. His his grandson was caddying for him in the par three competition, and they got to one of the holes on it, and he said, "Why don't you?" tee off and hit one for me on the par three that sounds like that's against regulation well there's no regulations in a par three contest at the masters it's a joke and it's it's more for the fans okay it, it is it's, it's not a i mean they have their kids running around the greens it's not like a serious thing okay in fact no one has ever won the par three and gone on to win the masters and there's many people that have gotten to the end of it and then purposely lost it because, because they feel it's a superstition new tradition yeah it's it's an it's a new tradition but, like, like no other but Maybe if they were only a little stitious instead of superstitious. Anyway, would... so his grandson, GT, puts the what ball. What does that stand? Does that stand for Gran Torino? Gary Thomas. Okay. And Gary Thomas tees up the ball, knocks it on the green, spins it back to the left side of the green, I think, and it rolls in for a hole-in-one. Wow. You spo- spoiler alert. We spoiler knew it was alert. a hole. His grandson, 15 years old, Oh, it was caddying for him. He was the caddy, and the, the threesome... In the group were I Gary, thought it was a grown Gary, man. I, I said, the no, video I saw. He must be a manly. He's a man. Fi- he's a manly fifteen year old. Okay, because it would look like a like it actually looked like an old man. Now he's a fifteen year old. He was playing with uh, Tom Watson and Gary Player. Mm, Gary Player, best name ever. Yes. I mean, you if your name is Player and you play a sport. Yes. It's like Johnny Touchdown. And if your name is Gary Thomas Nicholas and you're playing with Tom Gary. And Jack Nicholas, something's weird about your name. It's, you were there a, was some a human Venn diagram. There was some yes, there was some <laughs> weird thing to that. But anyway, we have on the phone with us an esteemed guest, a prolific writer on the interwebs. Not just prolific, because that means a lot. An excellent writer gives great insights. Yeah. So if you're on LinkedIn, you can see him write often and post under. Uh, different areas such as ABA Bank Marketing and and other postings that he does, that he do. This is Chris Nichols from Center State Bank. <sighs> Chris, how are you today? Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Good, good. So, Chris, uh, let's give you a little – tell us a little bit about yourself first so people that haven't read or heard of, of you yet. Uh, just short – give us your elevator pitch about your uh, – yourself and your career shortly sure so uh chris nichols uh center state bank we're a uh, 10.2 billion dollar bank based out of winter haven florida uh the largest bank uh within florida uh or the largest uh, bank headquartered in florida uh so i'm chief strategy officer for them which means uh, a variety of things but uh you know mostly focus on products uh processes uh new ideas always got kind of testing out uh the latest in technology um trying to figure out you know what's coming around the corner uh, my background, uh, spent the bulk of my career at, uh, Bank of America, started off at Price Waterhouse and then, uh, bulk of my career at Bank of America. Had this crazy idea, uh, in 1989, uh, to web enable banking. Um, thought that, uh, having, you know, online banking was the savior for community banks because they can never compete against Bank of America, um, or with our branch network, but could online. Um, built a system. Uh, Bank of America, I said, hey, we really like this idea. Um, we'll fund you. So they spun us out into a separate company, um, funded us, uh, traveled the nation, talking to 400-plus community banks. Uh, no takers. No one no one thought this Internet thing was going to catch on. Uh, ended up uh, creating uh, the online functionality for uh, many large banks, Citicorp and Wells Fargo, uh, Bank of America, number of number of banks. 
uh, and then ended up selling that company and, and coming uh, back to community banking, which were my roots. Um, and so, so been at Center State for the uh, last five years, uh, working on different projects. So you were basically going around to all the blockbusters trying to sell them Netflix. <laughs> that, that's it, and, and got laughed out of, of, of many banks. That that is that's a whole podcast story within itself, right there. I have a question <laughs> that I probably don't need to ask, and you may not be willing to listen. So, just a general: Do you feel like uh, you know, having made that um, prophetic walk, had had to shake the dust from your sandals? I guess when they didn't didn't hear you, have banks changed since then, or are they still um, they, are they still not listening to the prophets coming through? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's, I think it's even worse. Is um, I think community banks have gotten a little better at listening, um, not much, but uh, I think the real problem is me. I'm still trying to push the same, uh, you know, the same ideas. You know, now it's just, you know, chatbots and artificial intelligence and open APIs, the things that uh, you all talk about, um, and and still met with the same resistance. So uh, I think I'm the crazy one that uh, just hasn't wised up to what the world, uh, the pace of the world. No, but that's that's a pretty amazing story, though, that you spun off to your own venture and went around and tried to sell, I guess, and I don't know the specifics of it, but internet banking I would as, have as, been a, as a thing, and then everybody was like, no, that's never going to happen, and now there's, that, that's, that is the thing. I would have been impressed if you would have said, if you would have transposed numbers and said in 98, yeah. and you said 89. I just want to make sure everybody heard that. Is, is, is that a correct date, 1989? Yeah, 89 is when we came. I mean, this is, um, you know, right at the start of the dot-com boom. Um, you know, you know, pets.com was, was uh, you know, all the rage. Uh, we came up with this idea, um, floated it, you know, built the business plan, um, resigned uh, around 1990, uh, and that's when Bank of America said, no, wait a minute, work part-time here. You can go leave at noon, work part-time at your own venture, uh, and, you know, if you prove it, We'll fund it. We ended up proving it. They funded it. Uh, J.P. Morgan came in as well uh, and then spun, spun that off. And so it was really but 1992 by the time we got started, which, you know, which was the back end of the boom, and it, already, it already busted. So we were, right. our timing wasn't the greatest. But, but still, I mean, just when we're talking about bank adoption, even, even I guess my point is, even 98 would have still been – in an, in an advanced state with the rest of banks. And, and what happened there as I'm following along is it wound up going the, – the, it, was, it was a community bank-centered endeavor, but wound up just coming back to the big banks anyway. Yep, that's right. We, we basically were the development arm. Uh, and, and, you know, Wells Fargo still uses part of the technology today. Uh, and Wells Fargo, I have to say, was one of the more advanced banks, uh, and I think they still are today. In terms of what they do and what you can do online with their uh, uh, small business portal and their uh, business mid-sized business portal. Well, what I would say is is so since since we know that we might not be able to be prophetic that that the the audience might not listen to us. One of the topics we wanted to to run by you to get your insights on is is a is a topic that I see a lot of fear, fear, doubt, and worry, anxiety, consternation um, around, and that's that's budgeting. Uh, especially around community banks, you know the the community banker who may have come out of the banking, the, the straight banking realm, or or um, some sort of admin role, maybe compliance, HR, whatever it may be. And of course, there are pure marketers that go into that. And even um, outside of banking, I see a lot of fear around this. And that is, 
budgeting, the sense of, of needing to build budget and, and being underprepared, maybe, um, maybe a little, again, a little fearful around that. In building a community bank budget, what tips, just 30,000 foot view, um, give us your insights there to, to maybe helping a bank, um, one of our listeners out there, bank marketers, community bank marketers, look towards building a, a healthy budget. Yeah, so for uh, on marketing budgets, I think, you know, it's the, uh, my overarching comment is the same problem that happens in, in marketing happens with the reps of the bank, and that is, uh, you know, we all turn around, look over our shoulder and say, hey, what was our budget last year? Yeah, let's just do more of that. Let's try to increase that by 5%. Uh, and I think that's a huge mistake. Uh, I think that's – and I fall guilty of it. Um, I think that uh, misallocates a lot of resources, and so there's a lot of things uh, that we tried last year uh, that didn't really work. Uh, and so, you know, part, I think uh, my, my recommendation is to challenge your base assumptions and build your marketing from zero each time based on what you want to get accomplished. Our goals in 2018 are different than our goals in 2017. Um, and some of the things that we spent money on in 2017 didn't work. Uh, and so now we need to kind of relook at that and ask, do we need to spend more or less? Um, in general, I think uh, my other overarching comment is I think banks underappreciate marketing, uh, don't place enough emphasis on it, um, and as a result, um, they don't get the desired outcome that they want, uh, and they think that because they don't get the desired outcome, uh, it's not worthy of more budget. And I would say the complete opposite. Um, most banks think nothing of spending a whole lot of money on sales, so they hire all these expensive salespeople. Uh, and then have them prospect in, in with almost cold calls. And I'd say, you know what, you can shorten your time. Our average time to bring in a commercial customer is about 30 months. And with marketing, it's about half of that. So we can cut that down to about 15 to 18 months um, with just some good marketing. And that means, you know, some good emails, some good digital advertising, um, some good content, uh, and soften that up. And when you look at the cost of marketing versus the effectiveness of some of our most expensive assets, our people, um, you know, we, we should be spending more and making that job easier and, and making our people, uh, you know, getting, getting our people out in front of clients more is where they should be. I follow the, uh, the LinkedIn marketing influencer narrative, I guess, with the, the Tom Goodwins and the Gary Vanderchucks and all these out there. And I, I consider you one as well in the, in the bank marketing space because you, you put out a lot of uh, written content, especially uh, versus video, and one thing that uh, Gary V's been really hitting on in the past month or two is is shifting everything to to Facebook because of the price of attention uh, and Instagram, and and going all in on social. And he, he called it an eighty billion dollar mistake. He said that the major um, advertisers in this country that spend eighty billion dollars a year on uh, more traditional marketing avenues, and given social media in two thousand eighteen is I think a traditional advertising avenue now, uh, maybe not in 2007, but now it is. And so my point to you is when looking at allocating, uh, do you subscribe to banks or are, are underselling and under marketing on social, or would you think they should uh, put more budgeted dollars towards social and really build that up as kind of the next thing to do and, and moving from traditional television and, and more traditional means of advertising? Yeah. A good, great question. I think banks are, uh, uh, still don't appreciate social as much as they should. And, and you know, it's one thing, um, I think, uh, you know, banks tend to maybe advertise on it and do the basic amount, uh, but they're not really fully utilizing the data involved 
and the uh, strategy and tactics involved of actually getting key constituents, um, key you know, target customers uh, to, to the bank's website or to the bank's content. Um, and so I, I think more uh, banks should allocate more uh, toward budget. I think Facebook is a, a phenomenal value versus other methods. I mean, I'd rather spend money on Facebook than a print advertisement um, or in particular a radio advertisement. Um, it hasn't worked well for us on the commercial side. I think LinkedIn has worked better for us on the commercial side. Um, by and large, I'm not. Well, I'm a big fan of social media. Uh, we haven't recon- we haven't recognized um, any great ROI off leveraging our uh, social media. We still uh, we're still trying to figure out the right formula. Um, so for us, we're kind of cutting back on it a little. But I think most banks don't put enough energy into it. Well, and, Chris, you know, and for that matter, that, that those comments go for video as well. Video, I know, you know, social media is working for a number of industries. I don't think it's really working for banks all that well. Um, I think video, the same thing, working for a lot of industry. I don't think video is working for banks that well either. Well, and, and you know, that's a you know, obviously there there is uh, distribution, and then there's content. You know, and quality of content, which is you know, um, I don't know, not to stay on the Gary V train, but you know obviously talks about the quality of your content. But, you know, the, the thing that, that frustrates me as a guy who builds budget for banks and, and, and great advice to start fresh, um, you know, that, that's one of the things that we do is we start um, with, with an empty budget every time and we consider our goals and build those budgets. So that, that can't be um, uh, reinforced enough. But um, just, I guess, looking at the audience that, that um, you know, a, a, in your history, have you found a way to help um, the people you work with, both both inside and outside of banks, understand um, this just audience at, at some point. The the banker that really wants to see his or her picture in the newspaper um, doesn't seem to be as rewarded by seeing his or her photo or even video or whatever on Facebook. Do you have any advice to speak to um, how to help maybe walk some of that along towards the, the, the path to glory? Um, I, I give you some, some thoughts. I'm not, I'm not sure I know the answer. I can tell you when we first started, um, you know, advertising, particularly on social media, uh, we were very uh, bank centric. So we would, you know, advertise about an event or advertise about a particular product. Uh, and that, as I said, uh, underwhelmed us. And, and, you know, something that, you know, you, you just hit on is part of it's the quality of the content. Um, we've upped our game in terms of the quality of our content this year and we are seeing better results. So, I'm a huge fan of of, uh, of uh, producing good quality good quality content. Um, the other is um, targeting your market. I know that's something you guys uh, believe in as well. Is you know we would go off half cocked without really a goal in mind, and so we ended up targeting the wrong people. We should have you know we started saying, well this well this is a customer we want. Um, this may not be the customer we deserve, and so we started to look at is this customer potentially ready to move banks? And so that's made us smarter. I would ask that question. So it's not every customer is your customer, obviously. And then there's a subset of all potential customers, customers that you your bank wants. And there's even a fewer subset, a smaller subset of customers that your bank wants that are willing to do business with you or that they, they want you. And that's kind of our, our current evolved thinking um, on that. Uh, and, you know, do better targeting with better content, uh, with better goals. And I think that's going to, you know, start to pay some dividends for us. So as you say, start to pay dividends. And, and I still keep thinking about, which I, I was unaware of the 
the 1989, 90-ish time when you broke off to really focus on something that became the future. Maybe you're on the front end or maybe there were some, you know, maybe you had the blockbuster effect of no one believing and then Netflix ate their lunch. And my question to you is, if you're sitting down with the CEOs of, of any banks today, but especially community banks, and they say, where should I put my marketing budget for the next five years and the next 10 years, where would you tell them to start moving dollars towards and then and then maybe away from you don't have to hurt any feelings but where where exactly would you tactically start placing dollars if if you were asked this and and you're not being held accountable for it this is just a conversation obviously sure so so for me uh you know i see more and more of our uh, of our budget going to digital channels um less and less on print and and i don't you know i just ran into a bank uh, yesterday we're talking with them and they get phenomenal returns on direct mail um and so you know some print advertising, direct mail, radio, TV, um, still very, very viable. I have a bias against it because I can't measure it. And so I, it's hard to support it if I can't measure it. And that's just my bias is I'm just quantitatively focused. And so I love um, digital uh, in that I can say, hey, this is the number of impressions we got, the number of clicks, this is the number of conversions we got. Uh, and I can start to uh, experiment. So, uh, you know, I take a step back and just look at what's really working. and so. My main recommendation is set aside a portion of your – one is to hold yourself accountable um, and to make sure that you have at least some benchmarks to determine what's successful and what's not. Uh, and some stuff that I fall in love with that I really like just isn't as good as some of the stuff that I just slap together and get out there. And I'm always surprised uh, when a campaign does well. I think, well, you know, I spent two minutes thinking of that, uh, but it's working. Let's ask why and let's do more of it to, to validate that. Chris, you're a research-based guy. Uh, you're a research-based guy. I do a, do a ton of research, especially around um, Center State. And I really want to do um, some research. You speak about quality of ideas and, and the genesis of them. Uh, it, it is, I, I think, a universal truth that we need to put some metrics behind of the inverse proportion of how much time you spend on the idea to its success. Because John and I talk about this a good bit, that that, that just throwing it over the transom like, Ah, this is a dumb idea, but let's see what happens. Uh, it seems to outperform the um, strategic initiative at times. So it, it's sort of fun. I, I don't. I'm not being serious. We don't really need to put that to research. I think it's. I think that's the magic of creativity. But but it is funny that you mentioned that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm always uh, floored by some of the things that I I I, got, I know this is going to work, um, and you know it ends up not working as well as I thought. Uh, and I put so much time and so much research into it. And again, some of the stuff I slapped together. Um, the other the other tip uh, I might have is to make sure you know the portion of your budget that's just set aside for experimentation. And this market's moving, marketing's moving so fast and changing, uh, and that's why you know I rely on, on firms like yourself to kind of keep me um, up to date and to tell me what's working. And so I might, and what works for one industry may not work for another. But I'm always constantly trying to figure out um, you know uh, new ideas. And so you know, for example, one new idea that I had from another industry is um, these trucks that do deliveries in, in cities, I wanted to brand it, um, you know, with the center state brand. And, you know, that wasn't quite uh, in line with our marketing um, ideas, but I think it would be a, a nice, you know, try. Uh, and so I want a certain part of the budget to try, you know, whether digital remarketing or whether it's these trucks or whatever it is. You know, I think all banks should be experimenting and trying to figure out what works for them because some of the ideas that they've relied on I know aren't working. So we might as well try some things, some new ideas. And I think that ties into what you, just the the whole base of this conversation is 
remove the no, you know, you had people tell you, no, this internet thing's not going to work. If you if you could segment some budget for experimentation, look, I ask for that budget all the time. I, it's always met with, you know, you, we talk about ROI and, 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 and the reportability is that CEO who has said, I'm not going to spend 40, I'm going to spend 20. And if you prove that, I'll give you 40. And then you look at the that CEO and say, well, 40 is not going to get you anything. We might as well not spend anything. But in segmenting that, it 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 lets people not have to say no to something like internet banking. If you have a healthy test budget over the side, and you could say maybe, and if it tests out, but I think that's a really important part of this, that it, it keeps people from having to say no. You can test that truck or or whatever that, that other kind of crazy idea and validate it uh, before having to, to jump all, all the way into it. Oh, hardly agree. It makes it does make it easier to get ideas approved. One question I've got to ask, and then we'll we'll wrap this thing up pretty shortly. Is is what comes first, the followers or the content? Go. <laughs> yes, that's the question. Um, I, you know, I say the content uh, comes first, so uh, I'm just centered that way. Uh, I'll try to figure out you know the customer we want, try to design some content, try to get it out there, and then see who uh, who likes it, who follows it, who takes it. Uh, and then refine it uh, and iterate uh, accordingly to try to get to the the end result. Um, I, I, you know, I'm biased against the customer. You know, I think it's the old Steve Jobs adage that the customer doesn't know what they want. And I think, and when it comes to marketing, that's largely true. And things like, um, you know, you know, a number of advertisements I thought would have never caught on, uh, you know, do quite well. And it's hard, always hard to predict. If I knew what was going to catch on, I'm sure I'd have a, uh, I'm sure I'd be retired by now. Uh, so you know, I think experimentation is still the best way, and we, you know we'll create a bunch of content. Um, I don't, you know, I think banks don't create enough content. I think we we sit on some great, great uh, knowledge and some great, great data, uh, and we should be using. It. So I'm always floored, you know, something we we you know most every bank wants the doctors, dentists, lawyers, etc., but very few go to these conventions where they're at. And if we just did that every time we go to, you know, a a convention or a workshop or a, a meeting of lawyers, for example, uh, we find that we're one of the only banks there. If we can create some good content on financing or uh, supporting ESOPs is our, is our new one, um, whatever it is, it gets taken up and we end up creating this better network, which gets us better clients. We not only get the lawyers that are clients, our name out there, which is what the clients we want, but we also get their clients' clients. Uh, and so, you know, we work on this network effect, and that's a, a key concept that drives a lot of our marketing. We don't want to just spend marketing dollars just for one client. What we really want to do is spend it for a variety of clients and try to leverage um, their network up. You know, hopefully that content gets shared. Well, and this is the opportunity, I, I believe, that, that we talk about a good bit. I say zig when others are zagging, and what you guys are doing is is taking advantage of the fact that banks – I don't know, we'll come up with some law. It's a bank inertia, a bank at rest, a bank acting like a bank tends to continue to act like a bank. So they that's why no other banks are there. I, I just, I'll always go back to that's the opportunity. Whether you borrow it from another industry, this this and the reason I concentrate on, I, I, my employees looked at me and said, Josh, are we really going to, we're a creative firm, we're really going to concentrate on banks? I mean, that's kind of boring. And I said, look, the whole universe, this is this is a, the scientific method, they're all the same, and we get to introduce some little bit of craziness in it 
and then um, seeing does that work. If it doesn't work, we get to move on. We didn't really damage anything, and uh, it gives us a little bit more of a creative test bed where we actually can see some results. There's a ton of opportunities in that path that opens up. Absolutely, and, and that's not to say that banks shouldn't you know focus on the basics. I I always joke that our best asset, our best branch is our is our website, and that's probably the the area that we spend the least on. Um, but you know that that should be working twenty four seven for us. And when I you know I cringe every time I look at our analytics on our website to see how many people leave and not you know bounce quickly and don't get the information they want, or we don't have a capture screen to ask for more information, or we don't have a campaign ready, or we don't have a landing page ready to follow up. It hurts. It literally hurts me. Uh, and I think, you know, we should be, and it's hard to get, you know, most banks underutilize their website, and that's our most valuable property out there. Most all customers come via mobile or via uh, online to our website uh, to check us out, you know, and uh, we lose a lot of opportunity that way. So um, I'm all for experimentation, but particularly um, I think banks have to keep the bulk of their budget on the basics of blocking and tackling, whether that's, uh you know, wholesale and, and providing marketing support for their internal folks, or whether it's something as simple as building out your website more to be able to capture uh, people that want more information and, and work better with conversions. Awesome. Well, Chris, we appreciate you being on the show today. Chris Nichols, Center State. What's your, uh, if you want to give your, uh, I don't know if you're on Twitter or LinkedIn, if you want to give any of your handles, we didn't prep you for this, so I'm hitting you off, but if you want to tell how, how people can get in touch with you, if they want to kind of see what you're writing about and what you're talking about, how would one find you on the interwebs? Sure. So, uh, csbcorrespondent.com is where we publish our blog. You can just click blog there and find our blog, sign up for our newsletter. Uh, it goes out a couple times a week. Uh, csb4banks on Twitter, uh, and then on LinkedIn under Chris Nichols. And any, any of those ways are, uh, three good channels. Anything else you want to get out on the airwaves? You want to ask the marketing money guys anything or? Or just tell us to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> stop. Just stop. Don't, don't, no more podcasts, guys. Well, thank you. Thank you much for having me. And if there's uh, one question that I'm still trying to figure out is how can we be relevant on Instagram? I, I like that channel so much, but I just can't figure out how uh, a bank to do that, uh, how to do that correctly. So I'm, I'm looking to learn from, from you all. Absolutely. Instagram, uh, I'll say, you know, I'll, I'll jump in real quick and, and, and give a, my quick answers. I think it's around that narrative, that storytelling. Um, Instagram is a weird animal for me as, a, as, as an individual that – I almost skip what I would call the 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 personal content, the the kind of Facebook on Instagram to see the ads because whatever Instagram's doing brings me high value ads. I mean, I find new software. If look, if I'm looking up a new software, a very specific software like a I don't know media buy management thing, if I go Google that. You're going to get hammered I, with a I, thousand I, things. But they're awesome, and they're yeah. things I couldn't find otherwise. Project management, like, um, um, I don't know, collaboration, um, room kind of whiteboarding software, stuff like that. It, it's it's strange to me how quickly that pops up when I'm looking for something. So um, it, it is based, obviously, it's, uh, it was purchased by Facebook, and it's built on their, their model to, to find and, and match content. One, I think it's get content out there that's relevant, is, is not be scared of it. And I think um, video or motion graphics, um, even animated GIFs, and utilizing that, that um, album, um, multi-stage, multi you can scroll across to, to new images. Bank content's relatively boring. All, you know, we, we sell parody products, but finding that brand uh, message that differentiates you and putting it out there around people that are looking for banks is kind of like um, lowest hanging fruit. 
you may only be put on people that are looking for the, your your type of service, but um, I mean that and making it look great because that's the other thing about Instagram is the pla- it's the place for the fake life, make it look a little better than it is. <laughs> uh, but I mean, obviously, it's like anything else else is participation. Instagram's also my favorite platform. It's the one I engage in the most. But uh, I mean, you almost have to be a, uh, either a photographer or a Kardashian to get any any traction on there. It's true. Well, you've given me some things to think about, so I appreciate that. We'll keep trying. Well, well, Chris, thanks for being on the show. Have a uh, great day, and we'll see you at uh, some of the ABA conferences coming up. Appreciate you. You got it. Look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right, well, we've spoken with Chris, and we we really appreciate him being on the show today. Again, you can look him up on LinkedIn and see all the information he puts out, a lot of think pieces and deep dives in the blogosphere on items. One thing I want to hit on, Josh ended with an Instagram talk, and both of us have some speakies coming up at some conferences, mm. uh, different areas. But one area I'm going to hit on, and that I lose a little part of my marketing soul every time I hear it, is when uh, bank marketers and bank CEOs, and they get up and, and you know, say, so what, what differentiates you? Because every banker loves to talk about differentiation. They, what differentiates us? And they say, it's our people. And then you say, the average banker's worked at three or four banks over their career. Well, then how can your people be their people if their people are your people and whose people are whose people? And so, okay, let's throw that out. That's not a differentiator. Number two. Service. It's service. <laughs> well, what do you have? We have five checking accounts. One's a free or a discounted if you don't have a, if you have e-statements and then it has ABC. Okay, so you've got the same product. So throw that out. We have locations. Okay, locations might be a differentiator. Because Are you closer to their work or home? Which I yeah. think is probably the number one decision point. So so you go, okay, so locations, I will I will put that out on the differentiator whiteboard. We, I will allow locations. I don't allow people because I think uh, even though you may have people that can drive business on their name or personality or the fact they've been in the market or they're the best mortgage lender or they're the best commercial originator, uh, loan provider, best treasury management person, they, they still could go anywhere at any time. And so I throw the people out. You talk about services. The beautiful thing about a bank is we've commoditized it so much that I believe the populace knows what banking is and what a bank does. So you don't have to say, like, imagine the first time someone said Google. What is that? Was well, a search engine. I remember. To, I was there. You had to explain what it was. If someone said Amazon, you had to explain what it was. The jungle? It, well, exactly. If someone said even Nike, and, it, and I know we're going down the cliche big brand highway here, but my point is... The Greek goddess to, of victory? You had to say what that was or is, or and that she was not that, she was actually a shoe. And she is that. <gasps> so, p- curtain aside, if you're a bank, we already know what you do, so how do you differentiate? And I think the only way, other than locations, which are physical, is to differentiate with your brand. And you can say, well, what's that? You've got to outbrand the competition, and that's through repetition, that's through creative, that's through content. Just name ID. And connecting. Name ID. And if you're top of mind, you'll win on the differentiation because your brand will be more thought of. And I think it's funny, too, when um, when we release ads or we do advertising campaigns, marketing campaigns, and, and folks are like, yeah, but we didn't have 10,000 people come in and open accounts. Rarely is anyone looking at the time they see something to open an account now, and the surveys we we see and get back is 20 to 30 percent of the people surveyed would even consider moving an account at any certain time which is probably high yeah which is probably high so there has to be you know they moved which then comes in locations they um they had a bad experience or someone had a better deal better rate better something but if it's not in the product category or moving physically the brand has to drive top of mind for when that situation happens, you're thought of. And so 
in my little presentations I'm going to be giving, I'm really going to talk about why branding is so important and why it is so undervalued by banks. It is the most undervalued thing our commoditized well, even even the, even the names are commodity. Yeah. Imagine if you went to a shoe store, and and your choices were best shoe, great shoe. No, no, no. I'm just I'm just stop. I'm gonna go back. What if it was first shoe, first national shoe? Well, this first is the, state shoe. This is the Northwest National State Shoe. Yeah. <laughs> or the state shoe and trust company. You get what I'm saying? You get where I'm going here, listener, that we 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 have missed so many opportunities. And I want to throw something else in that I would say the second, the only other thing to, to piggyback on John that differentiates you from your competitors. And it, and it plays into what he said. And it's actually more than brand, but but it comes after brand. And that is the relationship. Now, I'm not talking about how you relate to your customers or building relationship. I'm talking literally about the fact that you have a client in relationship with you. You have their banking relationship. And I think that's the other big squandered opportunity of understanding that you have 100 customers or 1,000 customers or 10,000 customers that you're doing nothing with, that you are their bank, and they're probably not going to leave. We've talked about that time and time again is how... It's it's harder to run off a customer than it is to bring one on board. But it's but if you're First National Bank and First Nash First State Banks across the street, the only thing you have that they don't have is a cust is 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 John Doe, John Krasinkowitz, whatever that person is that they don't have. And what are you doing with them? And I see it is hilarious how much just roadblock it is in cross selling nurturing that client it's it doesn't want to give you the list and did you pass this and did they do that and did they disclose are the teller's job is to do it and the teller doesn't want to do it that wasn't what they were hired to do they'd go get a sales job they want and then this and then that and then this and we talk about efficiencies yet we have this whole universe that we own that's wholly unique to us now they may have another banking relationship one or two they don't have 30 to choose from. What are you doing to differentiate yourself within that? Because you do have a unique opportunity. And I think that just goes over people's heads so much. Is it a very unique opportunity? It is the veriest. It's the veriest unique first annual. Uniquest. Uniquest opportunity you will ever have. It is. Because you have the chance to talk to that one person that, that no one else may have the chance to, or you can at least treat it that way. Where your name doesn't matter as much, you can call them by name, you know their spending habits, you can dig in. And I'm telling you, we, we hear it, we see it in, you know, our vendors come and tell us, and, our, and our, we see it in conferences, and we see it in other industries, and we just sit here like, man, that's a really good idea, that'd be great. And then don't do and anything. Back to doing the same Any thing. more than we're changing our name from First National to something actually unique like I, Nike. I don't look. I didn't come up with the name for our bank. It is hard to say in certain markets because it's Renaissance. It's R E N A S A N T. And our but vendors I, even call it Renaissance. Oh, and, and, and you see Renaissance. I mean, there there's there is a phonetic obstacle to our name. Mm-hmm. But I will say this much: it is different from any bank. We don't have to compete with the First Nationals Directional Bank of such and such every day. 
And I love the fact that our bank has a different name. And so when I talk to bank marketers and they ask me, my fellow peers, about what they can, and they always want it to be much deeper. And they'll be like, well, what should I do to rebrand or mar-? They don't even see rebrand, market us. Give me some advice. And they'll run something. And I go, well, the first thing you need is change your name. And they look at me like crazy, like, well, we can't do that. And I go, well, you've got the same name as every bank out there because, and Hunter Young did a report on this. I think it's 60% of banks share us a common word. In their we'll name. repost that yeah. with this blog. And so, point is, I'm getting a little tired of the banker speak of we differentiate ourselves by fill in the blank, Mad Libs, put whatever word in. The way you differentiate is brand and then to Josh's point, relationships, because that's something you have that no one else has. And so the you know, the relationship, the unique way you you deal with your customer, and then the overall the mass branding of your company. And brand will lead to business. And this other thing is and Chris point on that too is direct mail doing well and you hire salespeople and you pay them a lot of money to go out and get business. But it's is it easier for to really well brand a company to where it's recognized and people want to do business with you, or do the people have to actually go out and get business because you're not branded enough that you're recognized? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, here's the deal: is any of that stuff will work. I mean, we can talk about whatever we want. I mean, look, if you commit to direct marketing and you're communicating to an individual who receives your message, who cares if it's old and dumb or blah, 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 whatever. If it works, it works. It works, it works. It could be painted rocks, billboards, skywriting, going up and, and putting your hand out and shaking somebody else's hand. If you don't, if your name is the exact same thing as somebody else, if I say, go see Josh Mabus, and I, and I let you loose in a room with 10 guys named Josh Mabus, what are your chances of going to the right one? Well, and we'll end with this note on that. You do need to call I, the right one. Call I, Mabus. I am not the only John Oxford in the world, nor am I the most famous John Oxford, because the most famous John Oxford in the world is a British professor who is an expert on bird flu and influenza and all these other medical terms that I can't pronounce. But I can't tell you how many times on LinkedIn, because someone just blankets something or writes something, or I get an email two, three times a month, inviting me to a conference on viral influenza, you whatever. You show up the, one day I, and, and I, talk about to, viral marketing. I, I should. I should. But so if you, if you Google John Oxford as without Renaissance or banker or marketing behind it, you're going to get this guy's picture. And he's British. He's British. And he's probably in his 60s or 70s. and Looks a lot younger than you. Yeah, exactly. Looks a lot younger. Has more hair than I do. <laughs> And uh, but anyway, to that to the point of you is if it's a personal brand thing, this guy has you know there's confusion in the marketplace right on a name, and so what would I have to do to differentiate myself if if it was if I had a personal brand and I, I compare that to a room full of ten of you, well who do you go to for what? Well guess what? There's six thousand five hundred and sixty nine banks and another. 5,000 credit unions out there, or whatever the number is, that do similar things. How do you differentiate yourself? And that's on brand and relationship. I'll, I'll mic drop now and uh, say goodbye. I'm alone. and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the official policy or position of any financial institution or agency, Renaissance Corporation, Renaissance Bank and its affiliates, or the Mavis Agency. For more information, please visit marketingmoneypodcast.com.